0: When you hear the word Vietnam, what do you think of?
1: Vietnam, it's honestly probably the Vietnam War. Probably the Vietnam War.
0: Uh, The war, probably, yeah. Vietnam War. I
1: think of Vietnam, uh, the Vietnam War. A gigantic mistake. Was this supposed to be at the Vietnam War or the country of Vietnam? I'm just glad I didn't have to go. I I didn't think we should be there, you know. Kind of like burning things from like napalm and like rainy and like dark jungle, treacherous environment kind of a deal. Bon me. Bon me is dank. Actually, the first thing that comes to mind is Forrest Gump, um, when uh, Forrest is in Vietnam, in the jungles, and getting napalmed, and just getting shot at.
0: Many people think of Vietnam as a war, and not a place. And how can you blame people, given the way that Hollywood has portrayed it? Apocalypse Now. I love the smell of
1: napalm in the morning.
0: Full metal jacket. She
1: give you everything you want. Long time. Everything
0: you want. Even the big Lebowski.
1: Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules.
0: In these movies, we see war scenes, Asian girls with accents trying to make a quick buck off of a GI, and troubled U.S. veterans. But there's more to our story than that, and it's been getting to me lately. I'm on Facebook all the time, and I follow this page run by the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund. And these pictures of young veterans who were killed during the war, they show up on my feed. And whenever I see these photos, I have to stop and I have to look, because it's so important to humanize the people who died in this conflict. And when you look at these photos, I see a mix. There's white faces, black faces. But I don't see anyone who looks like me, a Vietnamese American. And lately... I've been asking, why? Why is that? Didn't we go to war with Vietnam to help and to save people like me? It's time to tell our stories. I'm Tan Tan, and you're listening to Second Wave, An American story that begins in Vietnam. Support for Second Wave comes from Fisher Plumbing family of companies. Committed to their communities for over 40 years by supporting youth sports programs, charities for the disadvantaged, and water conservation, Fisher Plumbing offers plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and router services. More at fisherplumbing.com.
1: That's F-I-S-C-H-E-R plumbing.com.
0: I'm Vietnamese American, born and raised in Olympia, Washington. And I'm a daughter of Vietnamese refugees from South Vietnam. But I'm also a longtime journalist. And for this podcast, I'm going to explore how the Vietnam War is still with us. I mean, the war ended in 1975, but for Vietnamese Americans, it plays out still in our daily lives. For example, I've never met the vast majority of my family because they're all in Vietnam. And I still feel to this day that in the Vietnamese American community, there's this hidden pain that a lot of us just can't name. There's this feeling that struggle is normal, that struggle and day-to-day survival. It's just how we live our daily lives. And I think that's because everyone in our families lost something during the war or after the war.
1: I was really ashamed and embarrassed of, about being Vietnamese.
0: That's my friend James Hong, and he's also Vietnamese. I talked to a couple of my Vietnamese friends about what it was like growing up in America, and James felt he had to hide his identity in his predominantly white community.
1: At the time, it felt like it meant I had to give up that part that was Vietnamese, that was a refugee, which is, you know, the stories and the history that my parents brought, but that for many reasons, they did not feel comfortable in passing on or sharing with me.
0: Vietnamese families, oftentimes, we don't talk about these things. We don't talk about the past. And as a result of that, I think a lot of children of Vietnamese refugees, we don't have a full picture of our parents and what their lives were like before they came here to the United States. And a lot of us, we got this watered down version of the same story that goes a little something like this. Basically, we, my family, and other South Vietnamese refugees, we were the good guys. And the North Vietnamese, the communists, They were the bad guys who ruined so many lives. So my parents fled South Vietnam a couple years after the communists took over. And the Americans were gracious enough to allow us in. So we should be grateful and we should work hard and our parents, they'll work menial jobs without complaining. And we, the children refugees, we would succeed and we would make our parents proud. We would achieve the American dream. And we'd move past the trauma and forget all of that bad stuff. And I believed this for the longest time. I never really questioned it. And that was until I was subpoenaed. I was a character witness, subpoenaed. And that's not the crazy part. It's a long story, but basically, my dad was accused of being a Viet Cong agent. Now, those are the communists who were infiltrating South Vietnam during the war. They were called Viet Cong. And that's like a dirty word within the Vietnamese community. That you can't. That That is the ultimate way to really offend someone, is to call them a member of the Viet Cong. And so when this happened to my dad, he filed a defamation suit to prove that he was not actually a Viet Cong agent living in Olympia, Washington. And I had to come back to help testify to prove that he was not a communist. This was crazy. And at the time, I thought, my God, this sounds like something out of the McCarthy era. And this was actually in 2009. I just couldn't believe it. This fact that My dad was being targeted by members of his own Vietnamese community. It felt like the ultimate betrayal. I just did not get it. But going through this trial for three weeks, it made me realize that there is a lot that our community just has not confronted or dealt with. And maybe this whole good guys, bad guys explanation of the war in Vietnam and our place in America, maybe it's not as simple as what we had been told. We'll be right back. You're listening to Second Wave. I'm Ton Tan. Questioning what I've been told about who I am and where I fit in as an American and as someone of Vietnamese descent, it's a lot to process, and I don't have all the answers. And so I decided to turn to someone who could help give me a more nuanced view of our story, to put it into perspective, Viet Tan Nguyen. So Viet is an author, a scholar, and basically a rock star in the Vietnamese community. I first learned about him when his first book came out, The Sympathizer, which won the Pulitzer Prize in 2016. It's a novel that features an unnamed main character who never quite fits in completely with his surroundings. He's half French, half Vietnamese, and Americanized. He also sympathizes with the communist cause in Vietnam. And basically, the novel and its protagonists challenge the black and white narrative that many of us Vietnamese Americans grew up with. And how, in a lot of ways, we ignored how complicated our identities are. In American society, we're refugees and children of refugees, people of color. But to our friends and family in Vietnam, we're also quasi-outsiders, people who've become Americanized, immersed in Western society and pop culture. They call us Viet Giu. And many of us, we can't even speak Vietnamese. Viet Tan Nguyen's novel was a brave thing for a Vietnamese American to write, and it's been controversial for many people in our community. Because there's a lot of trauma and sensitivity around what happened to our families in Vietnam. And a tendency to simplify those stories because it's really hard to talk about. But now Viet is famous for writing about these things. So famous, he appeared on Late Night with Seth Meyers, where he spoke from personal experience about grappling with identity and and generational uh, differences.
1: You uh, moved out to California, and is it true that you lied to your parents about (laughs) what it was that you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, uh, I, I, I was an English major when I went to college. And you know how it is, trying to convince people that you can make a living as an English major is really, really hard, much, much less telling it to your immigrant parents. Yeah, so it you... is harder to tell your immigrant parents. I believe it is harder to tell you yeah. when your parents are working 12 to 14 hours a day. And you say, you know what, I'm going to study the romantic poets <laughs> in college. And so... When I
0: saw him on Seth Meyers, I was amazed by how put together he was and how funny he was. And then I found out that he was coming to Seattle.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Viet... Tom Nguyen.
0: So I went to see him talk at the Seattle Public Library. It was packed. That's right. An English major packed an entire auditorium. Lots of people were turned away. And the enthusiasm for him once you got inside, it was pretty intense.
1: I'm a refugee, an American, and a human being, which is important to proclaim, as there are many who think these identities cannot be reconciled. In March 1975, as Saigon was about to fall, or on the brink of liberation, depending on your point of view, my humanity was temporarily put into question as I became a refugee. My family lived in Ban Thuot, famous for its coffee and being... As Viet spoke, he talked about his override. family.
0: And I was struck by his explanation of what it's like to be a Vietnamese American, that it's complicated, that it's not black and white. And it reminded me of my family and my story. I also found it kind of refreshing to hear about the Vietnamese experience from someone who is a Vietnamese American. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you. So I don't know how much. I While he was in Seattle, podcast, but, I got the chance um, to talk to him. Basically, we are um, part of. And I had so many questions. Why do you feel that it's so important in your writing to explore different perspectives and more than one narrative?
1: I look at my life as an American and as a Vietnamese, and I see that in these countries, when there's only one narrative, uh, disaster follows for the people whose narratives are not included. So in the United States, I believe actively that we have to acknowledge that we are a diverse country, a multicultural country with contradictory histories and contradictory stories. And acknowledging that doesn't make us weaker, it should make us stronger. In Vietnam, if you're a Vietnamese-American or South Vietnamese, you realize that a country of one narrative has erased Southern Vietnamese and refugee experiences. So why would we turn around as exiles or refugees or Vietnamese-Americans and decide that it's our turn to impose one narrative? The fact that we've been excluded should make us really worry about excluding and erasing others.
0: So I want to make something clear. I don't think that my parents intentionally misled us into believing a story that may not be complete or may not be true. But I do believe that for every Vietnamese American, or for a lot of Vietnamese Americans, there's an emotional truth. And that emotional truth, it just doesn't always square with the facts or with what we see in the history books. And oftentimes I find that we fall into this trap of treating ourselves as victims, as permanent victims. Why do we do that? Why do Vietnamese refugees do that?
1: Because it affirms them. It denies the possibility that they were responsible for anything. And it fits into the narrative of rescue and gratitude that Americans have imposed upon them. Now, this is a position of mostly weakness, but a little bit of strength, because it allows Vietnamese Americans a voice in uh, American politics that is anti-communist. But it's really a position of weakness Because it avoids the question of moral complexity, moral responsibility, and it robs the Vietnamese-American population of the capacity to think of themselves as agents and actors of their own history and as people who can move outside of this Cold War history that was actually imposed on them by outside forces, not just Americans, but the Chinese and the Soviets as well. So constantly returning to the rhetoric of victimization just encourages Vietnamese people to think of themselves as victims trapped in the past.
0: I think it's true that for most of my life, I did view us as being victims, and I didn't have a problem with that. And I think that was a lot easier to go through life feeling like someone did something bad to us and now we're okay. In some ways, it gave us the determination to move on and do big things with our lives. But I want to look to the future, too. So how do you want your Vietnamese-American son? You have a little boy. How old is he? Three and a half. What do you want your son to remember about the Vietnam War?
1: I want him to remember that this was a historical event that still resonates today and probably will still resonate when he's older, that we're living in a history Uh, that is not finished that the Vietnam War is part of a much longer history of of war that Americans have fought but also of the Cold War of global conflict and he he as a citizen of this country and as someone of Vietnamese ancestry and as hopefully a global citizen is going to be implicated and enmeshed in this very long and complicated history but also I want him to remember it as a history that shaped his grandparents and his parents and brought them here to this country and enabled his existence so that even if he grows up as an American, there will always be this part of him uh, in Vietnam as well.
0: So we're starting this, um, just beginning our journey and exploring memories and um well, let me just preface this by saying I'm a little anxious and I'm scared. I'm scared of lifting the veil and um, of what I might see because I'm already questioning a, lot, questioning a lot of the things that I grew up believing. And um, what advice would you give to us as we start our journey of really trying to um, unveil people's memories and curate and do something you know, with those stories? What would you, what would you tell us?
1: I've lived with discomfort most of my life. You know, As a refugee, I felt like I was never at home. And to a certain extent, I still don't. I certainly am very comfortable, but it's been important for me to remember what it feels like not to be at home, that when I was a kid, I felt like, An American spy in my Vietnamese parents home and when I was outside in the American world, I felt like a Vietnamese spy and I've never wanted to give that up because that ability to see any issue from both sides has been really important to me as a scholar and as a writer and it's important to most human beings and most human beings lack that capacity. And so what I would say to you or to anyone else who feels scared is to say that's not a bad thing. Um, It's obviously the case that we would much rather be happy and comfortable most of the time but being scared tells us that we're confronting something that maybe we haven't wanted to confront and we don't want to confront something that makes us scared because it could potentially unravel everything that we take for granted and if you want to be an artist that's what you have to do. And I think that's true for journalists, for writers, for politicians, for anybody who's doing anything important. Everybody reaches that moment of fear. That's your test, whether you back away from it or whether you try to deal with it.
0: So dealing with it, as Viet just said, is going to be the mission of this podcast. And I have to say that it feels really comforting to have someone like him say these things and to tell me that it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to start asking questions because I have this fear of bringing up really painful memories, not just for myself, but for my family and for others in the Vietnamese community. To move forward, it starts with seeking the full unvarnished truth, the truth that we're not just the people who made pho famous. We're not just a model minority. We're actually really complex human beings, and we have a lot to say. And now's the time to say it, because our elders, the keepers of our stories, they're dying. It took a younger generation of Jews to get their parents and their grandparents to talk about the Holocaust. And it took a younger generation of Japanese Americans to get their parents to acknowledge the indignity of the internment camps during World War II. And I feel the exact same way about our Vietnamese American experience. It's on us, the younger generation of Vietnamese Americans, to tell these stories about the pain of our parents losing their country, South Vietnam and what it means to have sided with Americans in the only war this country has ever lost. Many of us are now in the privileged position of being able to look back and reflect in a way that our parents simply can't. So thanks for listening to Second Wave, an American story that begins in Vietnam. What's a story you've always believed about yourself and your community, but are just now starting to question? Let me know by emailing me at secondwave at kuow.org. Second Wave is a production of KUOW and PRX. Caroline Chamberlain and Whitney Henry Lester are our producers. Jim Gates is our editor. Music in this episode is courtesy of Sublime Frequencies. At the top of the show, you heard the voice of Zhao Lin, singing the song Juntin Sao Li, And at the end, music courtesy of Sabzi. Special thanks to Sonia Harris for production assistance. Support for Second Wave comes from Fisher Plumbing family of companies. Committed to their communities for over 40 years by supporting youth sports programs, charities for the disadvantaged, and water conservation. Fisher Plumbing offers plumbing,
1: heating, air conditioning, and router services. More at fisherplumbing.com. That's F-I-S-C-H-E-R plumbing dot com.